following audio is from Crossroads Church in West Ossipee, New Hampshire. For more information about Crossroads Church, you can go to www.crossroadsossipee.com. Turn in your Bibles to Luke 15. This morning, we are going to look at the crown jewel of the parables um, in verses 11 through 32, and that's on page 874 in the Pew Bibles. Uh, This is probably the most well-known of the parables of Jesus, and and I call it the crown jewel because in it is contained the whole gospel, and it really is a mirror into which every person must look. Um, So let's pray and and we'll get to work. Father God, we thank you for the great opportunity that it is to gather together in your name. We can freely um, be here together as a family to worship you, um, to read your word, to pray, to hear your word preached. Lord, we are so grateful. And so, Lord, now I pray that we would not um, take this opportunity for granted, but to allow your spirit to speak, to change our hearts, uh, to maybe alter our perspective. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would speak to us now. We give you this time for your glory and our good in Jesus' name. Amen. So to set the context of this parable, we really have to go back to the beginning of this chapter of Luke 15, just to verses 1 and 2. We don't have to read the whole, uh, the whole chapter to catch up. But verses 1 and 2 says that now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. And Jesus goes on to um, address these religious leaders um, and their grumbling with the three parables that we've, we've looked at, the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, um, and now the parable of the prodigal son. We looked at those first two parables last week, and today we turn our attention to the third. So let's begin at verse 11. And he said, There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. 
I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. And as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him. But he answered his father, look, these many years I have served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. May God's blessing be on his word. Now, I've made comments before in the past about the headings that are written there in our Bibles and the difficulties that sometimes they can present. Um, But this one here takes the cake. Here in chapter 15, we have the parable of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the prodigal son. Should it be lost son? This makes more sense to me. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. It should actually be called the parable of the lost sons because there are two of them. There are two sons who are lost in this parable. And the parable of the prodigal sons wouldn't be all that bad if we knew what the word prodigal meant because we don't. Do you know what it means? Well, you're not going to guess now because I... Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. just to make sure I know. So we tend to assume, and I actually saw this uh, just on a movie I was watching last night. Um, we tend to assume that the word prodigal means someone who is lost and then found again, right? You've, we've all heard about, you know, prodigal sons and prodigal children, people um, who have kids that have walked away from the faith and we're just praying for them to come back, and, and, and we celebrate when they do. That's not what prodigal means. The word prodigal comes from a Latin word, because why wouldn't it? And the word means to squander. So a prodigal son is not just one who was lost and be found and was found. This is the parable of the squandering sons. That's a more accurate um, title. The youngest son, the one who is most often referred to as the prodigal son, demands from his father his share of the inheritance. Now, this, um, this violates rule number one. Don't be a jerk, right? This, this, this guy boldly and foolishly says, Dad, I want what's mine. And I want to do with it whatever I want to do. I want to be free from your rule, 
and I want to live my own life on my own terms just as if you were dead. I deserve to be happy, and you're kind of wrecking it. Now, this boy was already separated from his father inwardly. And so he separates from him outwardly, just as if his father were dead. And he gathered up all that was his and took off for a distant country, far from his father's watchful gaze, so he could live and be free and do as he wished. What did he want? Freedom. What did he get? Slavery, right? He became a slave to unfettered freedom. (laughs) Very ironic. In that distant country, he squandered everything he had. He prodigaled his inheritance in reckless living. This is bad news. But as, as often happens when things go badly, they got worse. <laughs> A famine hit that land, and then he had nothing. So you've heard it said, and I, I'm tempted to not say this, but you've heard it said, God won't give you more than you can handle, right? And we all know that's baloney. That's total garbage. That's not in the Bible. That was from Mother Teresa. She said, I know God won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. It was a joke, and it still is. God will continuously give us more than we can handle so that we learn to lean on him and depend on him for strength. But that's not what this jerk, I mean, this kid decided to do. What he tended to do is what we tend to do when we hit hit rock bottom. What do we try to do? We try to fix it. We gotta we gotta fix it. We gotta fix it ourselves. So that's what he did. He went and found a job feeding pigs. Now just as a person, does anybody here keep pigs? You have pigs? Not just sheep. Bacon, I mean, that's a, now I'm going to start thinking about bacon. (laughs) Now, if you consider Jesus' original audience, the people that he was speaking to that day, remember, these are Jewish leaders, religious leaders and religious people. They did not like pigs. Pigs were unclean. Pigs are not kosher. You could not have contact with unclean animals. Um, to be around pigs made you unclean. To, to work with pigs made you unclean. You would not be able to worship or to go to synagogue or, or celebrate the Sabbath or do any of the feasts. For a Jewish person in the first century, feeding the pigs was lower than low. This is the bottom. This is what our friend J.J. Van Oosterzee called the inconceivable wretchedness into which sin drags a man down. This is the bottom. So desperate and hungry, he longed to eat the pig's food, but nobody would give him anything. He was homeless, hungry, filthy, a failure, lost, and as good as dead. 
Now, if he's truly a prodigal, if he's truly a squanderer, what did he squander? All his money and possessions, sure. But what more than that? His home, his family, his father. It squandered those relationships. And then verse 17. It's a very powerful word in Scripture, the word but. But when he came to himself, it's like he's awakening from a dream and realizing uh, the reality of his state. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. Now, just like his inward separation led to an outward separation from his father, now this inward change, this inward realization leads to outward action. Again, Van Oosterzee said, Now when the pride of his heart is broken, no false, shames hold him, no false shame holds him longer back from considering his condition in its true light. He recognizes where he really is and what he has done. So if you think about this, what is this, what is this prodigal son's sin? It's pride, right? Proverbs 16.25 says, There is a way that seems right to man, but in its end is the way to death. You hear people say, follow your heart, follow your heart. You know, this, this is what it leads to. When you follow your heart, you end up feeding pigs. In its way, in the end, its way leads to death. And that's exactly where this boy was, on his way to death, because he wanted his own way. He thought his way was better, and he was wrong. But when he recognized the reality of his state, in humility, he repents. Right? He turns away from that way that was leading him to death and turned from it back to his father. That's what repentance means. He recognized he didn't. He recognized that he didn't deserve forgiveness, but he was hoping that his father would have mercy on him and receive him back even as a slave. Because our English word is servant. The Greek word is doulos, slave, bondservant. But he did have a great little speech prepared, as we often do. If I, if I see him again, this is what I would have said, you know. So he puts together this little speech and he says, I will arise and go to my father and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. It's a good speech. And he arose and he came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father says to his servants, quickly, bring the best robe and put it on and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet 
and bring the fattened calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Old dad didn't even let him finish the speech. All right. This father longed for his son's return. And he watched the road daily expecting to see him. You ever think about that? He was watching and saw him a long way off. Like this is part of dad's daily routine. He's waiting patiently for his son to return. When he saw him a long way off, he ran and hugged him and kissed him before he could even say a word. He removed the beggar's rags and clothed him with the best robe, a symbol of honor, a ring for his hand, a symbol that he was a son, belonged to the family, and sandals for his feet because slaves went barefoot. Free men wore shoes. The slaughter of the fattened calf, a symbol of rejoicing, because the son who was dead was alive again. He was lost and is now found. Praise the Lord. I don't know how many of you have gone through that experience. I have. But there are two lost sons in this parable. Two prodigals. Now, I told you at the beginning that this parable is a mirror. And the less we recognize our own image in the description of the younger son, the more danger we are of recognizing our image in the description of the second son. Rather than watching and waiting with his father for for his lost brother, the older brother chose to work out in the field. And what happens when a party is thrown and he doesn't know about it? He becomes angry. The killing of the fattened calf angers him. The return of his brother angers him. His father's reception of his brother angers him. Look at verse 25. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near to the house, he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. Now, remember, when the father sees the younger son far off, he goes out to him, runs out to him, an undignified act for this man. And just like the father went out to the younger brother, he goes out to the older brother as well. His father came out and entreated him. He begged him. But he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. The older son is guilty of the same sin, pride. The older son boasts of his long-standing record of outward obedience, outward faithfulness. But that obedience was just mechanical, mechanical obedience without the power of love. And just as the younger son, younger son once thought he deserved his inheritance, 
the older son thought that he deserved a place of honor. But by saying so, he betrays his inward pride in his own works. His works that in his mind continue to go unrecognized and unrewarded. In his pride, he doesn't even call the first prodigal his brother. But instead he says, this son of yours. I know in our house when one of the kids does something wrong, I might say to my dear wife, your son has done this. Your daughter has done this. Right? (laughs) It's true that the younger son squandered his inheritance on reckless living. But both sons were guilty of squandering the love of the father. But praise God, they didn't use it up. You can almost hear the heartbreak in the father's words. And he said to him in verse 31, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this your brother was dead, and he's alive. He was lost and is found. And that's the difference between these two sons. One son counted on the grace of the father to receive him back. And the other counted on his own performance, demanding his place. One son recognized that he didn't deserve to be called a son. And the other didn't recognize that he didn't need to earn the title. What's most interesting about this parable, and I've never seen this in my whole life in reading this, I've never seen this. The parable doesn't end. There's no resolution. The father goes out to the older son and, and, and begs him to come back in and celebrate. What happens next? We don't know. Jesus didn't say that the, what the older brother decided to do. It's just as if he were leaving it up to the grumbling Pharisees and those who see the reflection in the older brother to decide for themselves how this parable ends. Will you still refuse to join in the joy of heaven over the conversion of lost sinners or not? And for those who see themselves reflected in the younger brother, wallowing in the mire with the pigs and the pods, Repentance begins when we come to ourselves and we recognize our deep wretchedness and our inexcusable guilt. This knowledge of our sinfulness brings about an inward sorrow. But as 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, godly sorrow produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret. Recognize your sinfulness and turn from it. Turn away from it and back to the Father through faith in his Son, Jesus. That's all I got. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we recognize that in many ways we are all prodigals. that we are guilty of 
squandering the love of our Heavenly Father. We recognize our need for grace. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve to be called your sons and daughters. We don't deserve to be forgiven. But we are thankful for your great grace that offers us forgiveness anyway. You have blotted out our transgressions and our sins as if none of them ever were through faith in Jesus. We thank you that you made a way possible for us to be forgiven. That you were willing to pay the penalty yourself to put the best robe on us and rings on our fingers and sandals on our feet. If we would turn turn away from our way to your way, to turn to Jesus in faith. So, Lord, I pray if there is anyone listening to this now who has not turned from their sin to accept Jesus as Savior, it's not about long prayers or saying the right words. It's simply trusting in Jesus that he took the penalty for their sin on the cross and rose again to give them new life. Help them to turn from their sin to following your way instead of their own. And for those of us that have been or are reflected in the older brother, we ask for your forgiveness. for passing judgment, for being angry. When people that we think don't deserve your forgiveness get it anyway. Pray that we would also turn from our way that leads to death to your way that gives life. To embrace the grace that you have offered to all. Forgive us, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to participate in the mission of Crossroads Church through financial support, checks can be mailed to Crossroads Church, Post Office Box 576, West Ossipee, New Hampshire, 03890.